Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man that knows that what happens in the garage does not stay in the garage. Here is the captain. That's right. It goes out to millions of people, and then your sayings end up on Kate Beckinsale's t-shirt. It's good to be seen, and good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. I am very excited because this week we are featuring my Lorona from our friends over at Tactical Brewing. These people are geniuses, I tell you. My Lorona is a collaboration with Reyes Mezcalera, and this is fantastic. And the restaurant, Reyes Mezcalera, looks amazing as well. My Lorona is 12% ABV, so look out. Garage grade, four and three quarter bottle caps out of five. And you know who else is nearly perfect in my book? Well, it's our friends right here. First up, a big cheers to Kim in Spencer, Ohio. And a big shout out to Roberta in Salt Lake City, Utah. Here's a cheers to Tristan in Dell City, Oklahoma. And let's keep Portland weird. A big shout out to Jennifer. Next up, Captain, we have a cheers going out to Emily from Ottawa, Canada. And last but certainly not least, a big cheers to longtime listener Marcus, who has been with us since our first Long Island serial killer episodes. Everyone we just mentioned, well, they went to truecrimegarage.com and they made a donation to the beer fund. And for that, we thank you. Yeah, B-E-E-R-U-N, beer run. Make sure you go to Stitcher Premium to sign up for our bonus show called Off the Record. And it lets us know if you're nasty. And that's enough of the business. All right, everybody, gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime.
September 11, 2001 is not just a day that some people did something. No, the some people were Al-Qaeda terrorists. The something that they did is one of the single most tragic days in the history of our country, the greatest of nations. On the morning of Tuesday, September 11th, 2001, four California-bound commercial airliners took off from three different airports. These planes were hijacked mid-flight by 19 Al-Qaeda terrorists. American Airlines Flight 11 was deliberately flown into the North Tower of the World Trade Center complex in Manhattan at 8.46 a.m. 17 minutes later, the World Trade Center's South Tower was hit by United Airlines Flight 175. A third flight, American Airlines Flight 77, was hijacked over Ohio, and at 9.37 a.m., the terrorists crashed the plane into the west side of the Pentagon. The fourth flight, United Airlines Flight 93, was flown in the direction of Washington, D.C. The plane crashed in a field near Shakesville, Pennsylvania, at 10.03 a.m. After passengers forced their way into the cockpit and fought the hijackers over the controls. The destruction of the World Trade Center and nearby infrastructure seriously harmed the economy of New York City and created a global economic recession. The attacks resulted in 2,977 fatalities, over 25,000 injuries, and substantial long-term health consequences. September 11, 2001 was the deadliest terrorist attack in human history and the single deadliest incident for firefighters and law enforcement officers in the history of the United States. 412 firefighters and law enforcement officers were killed. And in the last 20 years, Al-Qaeda leaders have used the anniversary of this day to call for more attacks on the United States. September 11, or 9-11, as people often say, was an attack on all of us, and nearly 3,000 people were killed when terrorists piloted planes slammed into the World Trade Center, the Pentagon, and a field in Pennsylvania. It was also a day when our constitutional freedoms were attacked. 20 years have gone by, and we will not forget. The date is also one of special remembrance and sorrow for one South Florida family, for personal reasons. This date for them, too, is a sad anniversary of personal and permanent loss. For the Rice family, the pain of that day started in 1995, when nine-year-old Jimmy Rice was abducted. Jimmy's mother, the late Claudine Rice, used to say, God sleeps on September 11. In the days following Jimmy's disappearance, search helicopters filled the skies. Law enforcement agencies went through thousands of leads from all over the country. Jimmy's photo was all over the news, and a missing persons flyer was being put up everywhere. Strangers offered up prayers for the little boy. This is True Crime Garage, and this is the case of Jimmy Rice. Miami-Dade County, 1995. Our true crime story starts off on Monday, September 11, 
We're going to the city of Homestead, Florida, which is primarily a Miami suburb and a major agricultural area. We will also be talking about a neighboring unincorporated town called Redland. Samuel James Rice, known to those close to him as Jimmy Rice, was a nine-year-old student enrolled in the gifted program at Naranja Elementary School in the Redland community of South Florida. Jimmy was a very compassionate kid. He was kind to others and wanted to help people when he grew up. Telling his parents that after a career playing in the bigs, Major League Baseball, that he wanted to cure diseases so he could help people. Jimmy, as you can imagine, was a good baseball player, and he was a diehard Miami Dolphins fan. The Rice family were season ticket holders to the Dolphins games, and Jimmy was a true Dolphin, even saving up his money to hang a nice-sized Dan Marino poster in his bedroom. Jimmy had a great day at school on this Monday. It's only September 11, so it's still very early in the school year. Jimmy's in the fifth grade. At the end of his school day, Jimmy, like his other classmates, rode the bus home. His bus stop was located at Southwest 232nd Street and 162nd Avenue. This captain was just a mere five blocks north of his home. Now, unfortunately, Captain, this will lead to be one of the last known whereabouts for Jimmy. And we see this a lot in missing persons cases. There is not a lot of information about what happened to the missing person. Well, because if there were a lot of information and detailed background for the story, well, then we would know what happened and this kid would not be missing. The short version of Jimmy's story is he got dropped off at his normal bus stop at about the normal time. And then he never came home on that Monday after school. The long version is Jimmy gets off of the bus. The bus stop is about five blocks from his house. From my understanding, Captain, there were several other kids that get off at this same bus stop. Yeah, around 10. But they're walking in a different direction than Jimmy. Jimmy will need to be walking southbound to get home. Now, he's just about two weeks shy of his 10th birthday. He's Caucasian, 70 pounds, brown hair, blue eyes. And on this day, it was reported that Jimmy was wearing a white t-shirt, blue jeans or blue shorts, black and white high top sneakers, and Jimmy was carrying a dark brown book bag. When Jimmy Rice went missing after his school bus dropped him off at his usual stop around 3.30 p.m., those who knew Jimmy immediately suspected the worst. Friends said it's not like Jimmy to get lost, and a local minister and family friend, Bill Baguette, said the family feels that someone took him. They are a family in tears, but they have not given up hope for his safe return. A neighbor in Homestead, this is Annabelle Pomerares, said she thought she saw Jimmy around 3.40 p.m. south of Southwest 247th Street and 162nd Avenue. She said she saw the boy walking alone. He kept looking around like he was disoriented. Miss Pomerares was out picking up her stepdaughter at the middle school that is located in that very general area when she saw who she believes was Jimmy Rice walking alone. Okay, so she thinks she saw the boy walking alone, but looking around like he was disoriented or, or something. And 
this to me, Captain, seems like it was probably him, that this was a good sighting because what we have here is the kid, according to the witness, fits his description, Jimmy Rice's description, and the time is right. This would put him about halfway home, and she says it was about 3.40 p.m. So let's unpack this a little bit. We have a kid that gets off the bus with at least 10 people. It could have been more, mm-hmm. but they all go into different directions. I, I was luckily enough to just be dropped off right by my house, and there wasn't a bunch of people on my bus stop, and I didn't have to travel that far. Five blocks is not outrageous, but I don't think he was probably disoriented. He was probably just looking around, being a young kid, taking in his surroundings. He's nine, ten years old. Who knows? I mean, I walk down the street, grown man, I'm disoriented, <laughs> right? Uh, it's, from my understanding, booze. there was a light rain that day, but I don't get the vibe here, Captain, that that this is the type of kid that's just going to go wandering off or because there's a light rain and he's going to allow that to affect his trek home. And the sad situation is that it is only a five block trek for him. But as you said, we have other kids getting off. We have kids waving goodbye. They're chatting as they kind of walk and anybody that's had to walk home from school or has a bus stop that is any, considerable distance from their home they know that at some point if you're the the last guy if your house is the last one Mm -hmm. on the route well at some point these friends and classmates start parting ways as you continue along on your journey but it seemed to me that there was nobody that went jimmy's direction it was just him Correct. At some point, he's by himself, walking by himself, and this would be normal. Everything about this day so far is a normal day for Jimmy Rice. When they don't find Jimmy at home, this is alarming because we we have patterns that we start forming when we're kids, mm-hmm. you know, or especially with your parents. If, if you're told, hey, when you get off the bus, come right home, start working on your homework or get a snack or whatever you could do, but you're not playing with friends and it's not okay to go to your friend's house. It's not okay to follow one of your friends back to their house and start playing. At this point, even though, yeah, he's young, they probably already established a routine and a schedule with Jimmy. Yes, that's correct. And a few things that are surprising here, one that is not, but surprising that Jimmy doesn't show up at his house, is he had things scheduled for later that afternoon. So he had things that he would be either looking forward to or things that were in, as you said, his routine and routine is going to be broken by him disappearing. The other thing that's surprising to me, too, is the fact that all of the friends and family immediately are going, well, something's terribly wrong, and we think maybe somebody took him. And it's not surprising that people make that leap. That's not the surprise for me. The surprise for me is I looked at that walk that he would have taken, that that five block. And one thing I do want to point out, it... I don't know, five blocks does not mean the same thing to every person out there, right? That's a little loosey-goosey on that description, but it's always been said that it was five blocks from his house. That general area was a fairly busy area, not like a lot of businesses and stuff like that, but an area that I would expect to see a lot of traffic. And so I'm a little surprised that what we have is just one eyewitness. And if we do have a situation 
that leads to an abduction, which we know that we do, that means that it happened in broad daylight in an area that there's a decent amount of traffic. Well, and another thing that's a little interesting is even with bus stops now, if it's a busy area, they're more likely to break up the stops and not just have a one dump off spot. Right. Because they don't want the kid to have to travel, you know, five to six blocks by themselves. So we have this one witness, Miss Pomerantz, who says that she believes she saw Jimmy walking by himself. This would be about 3.40 p.m. Now, this area is semi-rural. It's a very nice community, though, upscale. The Rice family lives in a big house on over three and a half acres of land. This story is a little weird, though, because... Jimmy actually goes missing on a day when his mother and father are out of town. They're both out of town for work. Mm-hmm. Jimmy's parents are Donald and Claudine Rice. It's a family of five. Now, Jimmy is the baby, and he's considerably younger than his older brother and sister. Jimmy's older brother and sister are technically his half-brother and sister as they are Donald's kids from his first marriage. Claudine, though, raised the two like they were her own. And Jimmy was a welcome surprise because Claudine in 1985, at the age of 43, found out that she was a few months pregnant. This is when she went to the doctor, believing that she was having some kind of health issue. She didn't feel right. And they told her, hey, congratulations. Not only are you healthy, but you're also pregnant. Well, I'm a little confused because you say that this is a high traffic area, but then you say Jimmy lives on three acres. Yeah, three and a half acres of land. It looks to me like a lot of the homes out there back in 95 in the early 90s would have been on larger plots of land. When I say a busy area, again, I specified, and I don't mean lots of businesses mm-hmm. or anything like that. I When I view it on the map, I see a lot of community type things in that area. We have schools. We also have, uh, again, it, because of it being a agricultural area, I would expect there to be a lot of traffic, not necessarily business and things like that, but a lot of people driving through this area. So basically you think that at this bus stop, they're letting off these children at a, a busier road instead of going back into the nooks and crannies of the neighborhood to drop them off. That's correct. Yep. So where is Jimmy and where are his parents on this day? As said, they were out of town on business. Jimmy's parents are both attorneys. Donald is age 52. He is an attorney for the city of Winter Haven. And Claudine was an attorney with the IRS for years, but retired. she was retired by 1995. A family friend, his name was Fred, and I failed to write down Fred's last name here, Captain. He's an 18-year-old guy. Kruger. His, when we say family friend, he's, a, yes, a family friend, but from my understanding, it's actually his parents that were closer with the Rices than, than he would have been. He is left in charge of watching both the Rice home and Jimmy while they are gone because the parents were only to be gone a couple of nights. And once it was reported that Jimmy was missing, they are back in town almost immediately because they were actually due to be back that very night anyway. The way that this goes down is that Jimmy is reported missing to the authorities 
a little after 4 p.m. So this is because Fred goes to the house, to the Rice house, a little after 3 because he's going to be waiting there for Jimmy when he gets home from school that day. So he gets there at the house. Actually, he may have been running late or whatever, but he says when he got to the home, he was expecting to find Jimmy there or that Jimmy would be there very soon. Instead, he finds no Jimmy. He finds Jimmy's music teacher who was scheduled to give a piano lesson that day. These are regularly scheduled sessions. Claudine calls home around four o'clock just to check on everything. You know, Hey, how's it going? How's the house? How's Jimmy? Is, is he in the middle of his piano lesson? Mm-hmm. Normal stuff. We're, we're coming home tonight. We're on schedule. Everything's on track. We'll be home at this time. Da, 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 da. You think it's going to be a normal phone call. Unfortunately, Claudine finds out very quickly from Fred because Fred says, Hey, Claudine, was Jimmy supposed to do something today that, that wasn't on the schedule? Because his piano teacher's here and he's not here. Right. And she goes, no, this is, he should have gotten off of the bus, walked home, did the piano lesson. And as you said, they have, this is a pretty well-structured home and family dynamic here. Mm -hmm. And immediately Claudine says to Fred, what do you mean he's not there? Fred says, he never came home. Claudine says, hang up the phone, call the police, report him missing right now see this is surprising to me a little bit because what's the first thing that you would assume if he's not at home ready for his piano recital well his with this piano lesson i don't know because it's difficult to really hone in and analyze this very specific situation because i did not know jimmy and what his tendencies were and looking at it from my perspective though captain being a, a a guy and remembering how I was as a boy, mm-hmm. uh, I was easily distracted. It didn't take a whole lot to talk me into going over to a friend's home. Mm-hmm. But again, I'm not Jimmy. I'm looking back on my own experiences and I, I'm a big believer though in gut feelings. I've always said that on this show and I'm also a big believer in mother's intuition. I'm really into butt feelings. <laughs> well, uh, that's disgusting, <laughs> but, um, I, I'm a big believer in if you feel like something's wrong, make that phone call at the end of the day. Let's say that, let's say that you screwed up and the kid went off to somebody else's home just to goof off with one of his buddies for a little bit. No harm, no foul, right? Maybe you're taking up a little bit of time of the police departments, but if you think something's wrong, don't hesitate because when there is something wrong, the minutes and seconds are extremely valuable. Well, what I was getting at is the first conclusion I would jump to is Jimmy never got on the bus. He's still at school. Something something happened and he never got on the bus. Hmm. Because there are occasionally, not that often, but there was a, cu- a couple times in my career as a student where I I missed the bus. So that, that's all I was saying is I, to like me, crisscross, you missed the bus, uh, jump, jump. Uh, but that, so all I'm saying is I think it's a little surprising that they're like, Hey, get off the phone, call the cops where I'd go call the school first, 
see if he yeah got for some reason like missed his bus well or got on the wrong bus that's an interesting point of view there because now when we talk about our own experiences i look back and i think of a few times where i missed the bus either way either coming home or going to school and being rather independent rather than mess up anybody else's day i just walked now it took me a lot of time to a long time to get there uh and i think every time i did that i ended up getting in in trouble with my my mother who said you know why wouldn't you just make a phone call and i'm like i thought i was doing you a favor i didn't bother anybody i was going with my gut feeling right but also like you said in any missing person case the the minutes and seconds are really valuable and a lot of times like you look at the Schaefer case nobody really reacted for multiple days because there was nothing on his schedule that he needed to be there for so jimmy right. if he didn't have this family friend that came over to check on him or be there during this piano lesson or have the piano teacher be there and the parents aren't home who knows how many hours jimmy would have been missing before he was even reported missing Right, and what we have here, Captain, is we have parents jumping into action immediately. Claudine says that she knew instantly that something was wrong. She says Jimmy would never stray, nor would he run away. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. 
when Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited-time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash T-C-G. That's mintmobile.com slash T-C-G. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash T-C-G. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no-prep, no-mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need to pack a lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right. Welcome back, you filthy animals. Cheers to everybody in the front and the back. And cheers to you, to the crispiest of the colonels. Cheers to you, Captain. Now we have a missing child situation, and police, firefighters, family, and friends will spend all of Monday night and all of Tuesday searching for Jimmy or searching for any kind of clue that may lead to his whereabouts. By first thing Wednesday morning, September 14th, around 20 FBI agents are at the Rice household. 
So we have 20 FBI agents basically stationing themselves at the Rice home. This is less than 36 hours after the kid goes missing. According to FBI spokeswoman Lucy Vanderhaar, the FBI had no reason to suspect Jimmy had gotten lost or run away, but they also didn't have any evidence indicating foul play here. And she said, quote, when it involves a child, we, meaning the FBI, do become active in the investigation after a 24-hour period. We initiated a kidnapping investigation and are working in conjunction with Metro-Dade police, aggressively pursuing all leads we can to locate the whereabouts of Jimmy. Police and FBI agents mapped grids of places to search and studied aerial maps of the area. Five German Shepherd dogs who helped to search for victims in the Oklahoma City bombing just earlier that year were brought in to help in the search effort. And one Chihuahua. Hundreds of people, this included both first responders, volunteers, and even juvenile volunteers, searched South Dade Groves while Metro Dade Fire Rescue set up a task force and command post at the Redland Elementary School to coordinate volunteers who scoured the area on foot, on horseback, and in all-terrain vehicles. Well, like I said, at first you want to make sure you got on the bus, so they did that. So we have a bunch of eyewitnesses that place Jimmy on the bus. Mm-hmm. But then you want to start questioning. I mean, one of the things that pops into my head is got both parents gone on, on a Monday. Yeah, this is a business trip. It's something that would be easy to verify. And as said, they were planning on being back that night anyway. Yeah, you're right. You have a lot of people to talk to, right? You want to talk to everybody at the school. You want to talk to the bus driver, the other kids on the bus, any kid that got off at that same stop, just to see if they saw anything. You want to know even what this kid's demeanor was. What was his behavior that day? Was he acting abnormal? Was there something going on that maybe he was aware of that we could detect based off of the way he was acting that day? And everybody on the bus says that he was his normal self. He was chatty. He was upbeat. And it was really only that strange eyewitness situation of saying that they saw the boy walking alone and he appeared to be disoriented. I don't know how much of an observation this is. I don't know the situation. Did this woman see Jimmy when she's out of her vehicle or was this just quickly in passing as she's driving to the school to pick up her stepdaughter? The other thing, too, here is you're going to be looking to the public, right? We see this in so many situations. It's so key and crucial, and it will be in this case, and it always seems to be when we have what appears to be a child abduction. We need the help of the public, and as said earlier, this is an area that if he was abducted between point A and point B, which is the bus stop and his home, And if you put a lot of weight into this eyewitness and what they saw, well, now it's halfway between point A and point B that something happened to this kid. And if he was abducted, you're looking to the public for any information. This was in broad daylight. Did anybody see anything at all out of the ordinary or anything that they questioned for any reason at all in this situation? Come forward. Let us know. Well, also asking the kids, is there any little nooks and crannies in these neighborhoods that Jimmy would want to go play down at uh, a little creek or is there a little pond or something that Jimmy liked to go to that they could go investigate there? 
you're going to do all of the normal stuff. You know, when you respond to this call, you're checking the rice home immediately. That's the first go-to for law enforcement. And then you're spreading out from there. Where was he supposed to be last? Well, it would be the bus stop. So you're checking all these known areas. Now, by this point in our timeline, we have the community that's really stepping up and getting involved very early on. So, of course, we have missing posters or flyers going up everywhere in this area. I saw a picture of a woman who made a sign out of one of those big, this is probably like a six foot by four foot piece of wood. This she spray painted saying, please help find Jimmy and setting this up at a, a major intersection. And it has several missing flyers already stapled to this piece of wood, this sign that she created. People were putting up yellow ribbons within two days of him being missing in hopes that he would return. Hundreds of people were volunteering their time to look for this boy. Even with these large party searches searching for kid or clue, they don't find Jimmy and they never find any of his belongings that he had with him that day, like his clothing or his book bag. And the book bag was something of major concern for his parents. In fact, I think it was this item here, Captain, that Claudine, his mother, says early on that she believed that someone took Jimmy. And the family stated that they believed it may have possibly been two people that were responsible for his disappearance. So the parents are stating that they believe that someone took Jimmy simply based off of the idea that both parents said Jimmy would not have gotten into a car on his own. He would not have strayed. He would not have run away. So they feared that it may have taken two people to abduct him because of a conversation that Claudine had with him just about a week or so before Jimmy went missing. This is when Jimmy told his mother that there were two men in a car that approached him and asked him for directions. And she said it was then that the two had a serious talk about not approaching strangers, not talking to strangers. And if someone approaches you or tries to take you, you should flee the scene immediately. Scream, yell, drop your belongings, and run. And it was even Jimmy's own words that he promised his mother, should that type of situation, if he's ever presented with that type of situation, that he would drop his book bag and he would run. So not finding the book bag was of major concern for the parents as well. And that's why they thought, Maybe this had to be two people. He wouldn't have got into a car. This may have required whatever happened to him may have required somebody getting out and somebody throwing the kid or grabbing the kid and pulling him into a vehicle. Yeah, or other possibilities that he knew the individual and that's why he would get into the vehicle with him or possibly by some kind of other force with a knife or a gun. Jimmy's disappearance shook the Homestead community and indeed all of South Florida, a place where little boys didn't just disappear from one minute to the next. Janine Reynolds, the owner of a local sandwich shop in Redland, said, This is serious. This has never happened in our community. This little boy is important. People out here take care of each other. Law enforcement was running polygraph tests on those close to the case. This would be people close to the family people close to Jimmy at school. I don't know who specifically 
was polygraphed, but it does say that several people were polygraphed in the first 48 hours. I'm guessing the parents. No, Don and Claudine were not two of the people that were polygraphed. But Wrong again, Captain. Both, But both agreed, saying that if asked, they were happy to take the test. What about the piano teacher or their the family friend that was there? Again, they never specifically said who was polygraphed. The statement that was released was that there were people that were polygraphed, several people, but the parents were not in that batch. On day three of the search, a small amount of blood was found in the general area of where Jimmy was last seen. So this is stemming from that tip that came in from a neighboring woman that lived in the area that said, hey, I saw the boy in this area. Again, it's about the halfway mark of where he would be walking home, and he looked to be disoriented. They found a small amount of blood in this area. These are listed simply as just some drops of blood found on a loading dock. So they bring in the forensic experts, and the blood is tested, and very quickly they determined that this blood was not human. It was, in fact, animal blood. So even though this tip, this eyewitness tip is a good one, the blood has nothing to do with our case. Mm -hmm. On day four, a reward was put up by some local group offering $25,000 for tips leading to the missing boy. And there was a tip hotline number that was announced and listed in several of the local papers. And with Jimmy gone most of the week and his parents saying, unfortunately, we believe he was taken on that Friday. We get a press conference where the Metro Dade police are saying, quote, there is no indication that Jimmy is still in the area End quote short, sweet, and just absolutely heartbreaking. A segment ran that Friday night on America's most wanted that featured the boy's parents. And wow. How just how crazy is that? We know that John Walsh featured a lot, unfortunately, a lot of missing kids segments over the years on that great show. But America's Most Wanted, he's sitting there speaking with parents of a Florida boy who are insistent that their child was taken. It's really got to bring up all kinds of memories for John Walsh in that specific situation. Police took Jimmy's bed sheets very early on when they were looking for the boy and in this missing child investigation. I believe this was on day two, but couldn't 100% confirm when that action took place. In these situations, Captain, as you know, they take the bed sheets because this is a really good way for them to collect hair and skin samples should they need them at any point in their investigation. By this time, the hotline had received over 400 tips that the police were bringing in extra detectives. And we already said that there were at least 20 FBI agents in the area working the case. So they're bringing in all kinds of extra help to really be efficient in their way of double checking these tips and tracking down each piece of information that is coming in from the public. Because as we know, and as we've seen dozens of times on cases that we've covered here in the garage, in cases like this, you are very reliant on the help of the public. Well, they're very reliant on the public, and they continue to search for Jimmy Rice for months 
and months, but they have no real big break. Yeah, and I want to, as we see here in most cases, there's a lot of action, a lot of activity early on within about that first week to 10 days of when a child goes missing. And then from that point on, it's very repetitive and things kind of just taper off as you're hoping to find that big clue or get that big break in your search for the missing person. The Miami Herald captain did a fantastic job covering Jimmy Rice's case. They were there from the beginning and they continued to give us updates in their story and in their coverage of this case for the next, I mean, up to this day, we're sitting here 25, 26 years later, and they've continued to cover the story throughout those years. So if you will allow it, I would like to read for everyone an article that came out on the Sunday following his disappearance. So right now in the timeline, we are about six days, six and a half days into this missing persons investigation. And this article from the Herald sums up what is going on and everything that was going on looking for Jimmy at this point very nicely. Read on, Colonel. The article is titled, Parents and Friends of Missing Boy Cling to Hope. Subtitled, Efforts Continued Saturday in What Was the Last Scheduled Volunteer Search. And it reads, Newspaper clippings, missing child flyers, notes of encouragement, Jimmy Rice's mom is saving them all in a scrapbook. Mementos of the nightmare she hopes will end soon with his safe return. Quote, it's for Jimmy when he comes home, Claudine Rice says matter-of-factly, as there's no doubt he'll be walking through the door. Saturday marked the fifth day since nine-year-old Jimmy vanished without a trace near his house in Redland, victim of an apparent kidnapping. Every minute that passes bodes poorly, for his chances, but his parents refused to give up hope. They tick off the possible scenarios. Jimmy fell victim to family, friend, or a business enemy of his parents. He ran away from home. He was kidnapped for ransom. All of those options have been ruled out. His parents said, leaving one inescapable conclusion. We're just convinced it was a stranger at random and that any child could have been the victim, said Don Rice, Jimmy's father. The problem is we don't know what the motivation was. We don't know who it was. We don't know how it was done. Dozens of law enforcement officers want the same answers. Metro-Dade police and the FBI reported no breakthroughs in the case, despite an offer of $25,000 in reward money. Jimmy, whose full name is Samuel James Rice, was last seen Monday getting off the school bus at Southwest 232nd Street and 162nd Avenue, three-tenths of a mile from his front door. He never made it home. Law officers are interviewing known child molesters and other sex offenders who live in South Dade. They're also questioning all the children on Jimmy's bus and the people who came to the Rice home which has been for sale during a real estate open house last Sunday. At night, the FBI flies over the area with an infrared camera looking for hot spots, heat generated as a byproduct of a body that's decomposing. Civilian efforts also continued Saturday, and what was the last scheduled volunteer search? 
A candlelight prayer service will be held at 7.30 p.m. at Harris Field in Homestead. With generosity reminiscent of Hurricane Andrew recovery efforts, more than 250 volunteer searchers broke into teams to comb fields, canals, and groves. They were fortified by mountains of donated food and drink, and by a sense of community that united even total strangers. Quote, this community is a lot more bonded than others, said Liz Minderman, 24, a family friend who coordinated the search. I'm not saying bad things can't happen here, but this is the first time this kind of thing has happened. The outpouring of support has helped Jimmy's parents make it through these agonizing days in limbo. Still, no matter how much goodwill there is, his mother feels powerless, like a rat in a cage running in the same spot. She aches for her son, the simple rituals they shared, from bedtime prayers and piano practices to organizing his toys and carefully labeled storage bins. Quote, how will I feel doing the things we do together? How can I go out to dinner, to monkey jungle, to Dolphins games without Jimmy? Those are family activities. Where's Jimmy? Like always, we want to thank you for joining us here in the garage. So much more to get to in part two of the Jimmy Rice case. So make sure you join us back here in the garage tomorrow. And if you'd like to hang out with us and get your drink on and what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. If you want to join us at CrimeCon 2022, it'll be in Las Vegas on April 29th through May 1st. And you could use our promo code TCG 10 to get 10% off your tickets. Again, that's April 29th through May 1st of 2022 in wonderful Las Vegas crime con 2022 put on by the oxygen network. We are excited and we hope to see you there. We also hope to see you right here back in the garage tomorrow until then be good, be kind and don't litter. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.